Wait a minute. Don't keep changing the subject. What the hell are you doing to me? Nothing. Just relax and enjoy it. Look, Margaret, I don't think this is right. I am a professor at the university. What if the neighbors see us? Shh, they won't if you're quiet. What is that stuff? It smells awful. Don't ask. I'm asking. Huh? I'm asking, what is that stuff? It's bat guano and cat urine. Let me, let me hear that again. No, no come, come on, on, let me, me hear that again. It's bat guano and cat urine. Thank you, I'm going no, back to the on, house. No, come on, come on. You said you would do this. Please, honey. Bat Remember? guano, yeah. This could mean something. Could mean the department chairmanship. Uh-huh. Now turn over, please. Do we have a cat? Shut up, Josh. Yeah. I'm afraid to ask. What? What is this gook? Lamb's blood. Lamb's blood. Mm-hmm. What we have for dinner? Huh? It's not funny, Josh. This is an important <laughs> ritual, you know. Yeah, you sure? Yes, it is. This is Jamaican feather magic. it been since you had yourself a big hot screaming ear full of forgotten horrors <laughs> well that's too long pull in close now for a crepuscular half hour or so of the forgotten horrors podcast with your hosts john woolley michael h price and my own self wolf brand jack <laughs> And thank you, Wolf Brand Jack and Michael H. Price. I'm John Woolley, and welcome to another edition of the Forgotten Horrors Podcast here along with Mike Price and with our producer, engineer, Joey Hambrick, who, uh, if you hear any ambient uh, baby noises in the background, that's from Joey's end. And uh, we <laughs> think that Mike, you know, we're, as, as Michael says, ambient noise can't do anything but just make it sound more authentic. So... What we're talking about right now uh, on this podcast is a film called Witch's Brew, came out in 1980, and it's um, a variation on the film that we talked about last time, which was uh, Weird Woman, and um, the one of the Inner Sanctum Mysteries from Universal, which of course was based on the movie, or based on the book by Fritz Lieber Jr. called Conjure Wife. Uh, the essential premise is that uh, there's a group of women, or at least in in the case of, of uh, the first film, a weird woman, one woman who's using uh, <laughs> magic to get her husband, who in, in that case with weird woman is Lon Chaney Jr., and Gwen is the girl, and using magic uh, and voodoo and things like that to get her husband ahead in academia. Um, Witch's <laughs> Brew picks up that same sort of thing. 
and, and uh, except there's a lot of women in this particular university who are using magic uh, and sort of using magic in, as, it, as it develops against one another to try and uh, advance their husband's uh, careers. As a matter of fact, there's no, uh, no acknowledgement given to Conjure Wife in Witch's Brew, but it's obviously no, there's not. It's based on it. Lieber might uh, not, might have objected to being associated with it. <laughs> well, it's certainly it's certainly possible because it's um, it's and we were talking about it before we actually started, Michael. It's got a really uneasy feeling, uh, or mm-hmm. but, and maybe because uh, there indeed were two different uh, directors. Uh, on the picture, one of them being our uh, monster kid boyhood uh, idol Herbert Strock, who uh, oh yeah, you know who did what? I was a teenage Frankenstein and Blood of Dracula and a lot of those AIP things, and um, right. he, he is one of the directors of it. But it starts out as a kind of a spoof with the women all kind of uh, it's kind of a hip, funny or or want to be hip funny kind of thing. And as it goes on, to me, it seems to get progressively darker. Um, Is that your feeling about it? Yeah, it's a very, uh, very disturbing film on many levels. For one thing, the unevenness alone uh, is is quite enough to uh, quite enough to make it an uncomfortable experience. Uh, Not to not to disparage the work of Richard Benjamin or Terry Garr or any of those figures that were deservedly quite uh, famous, for want of mm-hmm. a better word, around the uh, um, 1980s, 70s, 80s. And uh, not to disparage the concept, that movie came out the very year, here's a personal resonance, came out the very year that I had just peeked uh, back into the newspaper racket after three years as an academician. Mm-hmm. Oh, and oh, yeah, and uh, <laughs> disturbingly true. To, uh, the novel itself is disturbingly true to life. I mean, you you kind of have to believe in magic to make it work. But at the same time, there are people in academic academia who will um, believe in such things while ruthlessly promoting their uh, agendas toward tenure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I I had known. Some uh, I had known some professors in the uh, college scene that, uh, well, had, had wives who uh, were pretty ruthless in promoting their husband's career. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think did, didn't Fritz Lieber Jr. actually he had been he had been teaching at a college and and yeah. that was that was one of the uh, one of or probably the biggest reason that uh, that he, uh, as far as background goes, that he did that book. Oh yeah, yeah, and and. Uh, and of course, uh, my uh, then recent escape from that scene, the movie felt pretty close to home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I probably appreciated it more on that level than on, on any attempts at comedy or any uh, leanings toward the darker side that, that uh, Witch's Brew might have. Uh, I saw it under a uh, proxy title. I think it was a, like a premature pre-release title. Uh, which which is which? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the that was the press preview title. Wow, really? Yeah. So that would have indicated obviously a sort of a light-hearted spoof 
uh, which yeah, it well, it, it starts out as, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, Richard Benjamin alone is enough to make it feel like, uh, and of course, the presence of Lana Turner. Mm-hmm. What are we trying to do here? Uh, senior old Hollywood figure uh, playing basically not the baddest of the bad guys for a change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, the the uh, it's it's these up and coming. Uh, young faculty wives who seem to be causing all the trouble and uh, uh, ultimately, well, not to give away too much now, but but uh, bringing uh, through their meddling, bringing to life a uh, monster. Yeah, and specifically Catherine Lee Scott, who a lot of uh, people of our vintage will remember uh, as uh, as the uh, Maggie Evans character in Dark Shadows. Well, yeah, sure. And and she is really the one that uh, is sort of stands in opposition to Terry Garr, who is also trying, I can't remember, I think it's the, uh, they're, they're all trying to get their husbands the chairmanship. And, you know, it was kind of a, a kind of a, I don't know if it's reducto ad absurdum, that's not the right word or not, not the right term, but it's kind of a logical conclusion that the women, like the ones you speak of, who are so hell-bent on getting uh, their husbands ahead in academia, that the logical conclusion will be to use whatever they have at their disposal, in this case, black magic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I knew one faculty wife who fancied herself a witch. Seriously? Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm sure she really wasn't any such thing, but uh, <laughs> she, she liked to act weird. Right, right. Well, of course, you were in academia, you remember. You so. were in academia, and uh, yeah, uh-huh. that was nice <laughs> while it lasted, and it lasted a little too long, but it, was, it, it had its charm. Right. Absolutely. Well, of course, we've both been in academia, so we can both address that. We've both been on faculty, so we can we can address that a little bit. I would I would have to say, though, Richard Benjamin, you know, was in was in pretty high demand at this time. I mean, by this time, what he'd done, uh, Goodbye Columbus and 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 some other films. uh, Oh, yeah. Uh, and he's just he's kind of a jackass at the beginning of this picture and not to me. I mean, although Richard Benjamin's quite good, obviously, he's just very smarmy at the beginning of this. Do you you agree? I uh, couldn't agree more. I don't know what he's trying to do, but he's got that face that can waver between sinister and nerding. (laughs) Um, I mean, and and he was making some very strange choices while being uh, quite popular as a a mass appeal uh, light a comic actor. Uh, well, uh, I think he had first scored big in Portnoy's Complaint about mm-hmm. eight or ten years before, mm-hmm. and uh, and was very uh, very well uh, very well regarded for uh, uh, Love at First Bite, the Dracula spoof. Yeah, and Sunshine Boys as well. Sunshine Boys definitely, mm-hmm. and and uh, uh, featured in leading roles. Had a had a had a. Uh, Right about the same time, right about the same time, he'd appeared in Fame, mm-hmm, uh, right. mm-hmm. a, a TV series called Quark with the mm-hmm. title role. Mm-hmm. And uh, he really, I think he felt the need to be experimenting. But uh, Benjamin's got that kind of face that can 
go sinister with uh, scarcely a ripple. He does. And also he, you know, although Terry Gar is just absolutely beautiful in this and she's just, yeah. she's very appealing. Uh, but there's just early on things seem to misfire. There's a running gag and like Lon Chaney in the earlier picture in, 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 yeah. uh, in weird woman, weird woman. Uh, the plot <laughs> twist is that uh, he destroys her magic stuff Cheney does for Ann Gwynn and Richard Benjamin right. does for uh, for Terry Gar, and that's when things start going south. And there is a running gag about him cutting himself shaving, which is just wants you to just makes you want to climb the walls. Mm-hmm. It's just it's not funny. It's just it's just painful. And then <laughs> right as that is happening then all of a sudden it does take this detour and there is a monster in it. And there's some very sinister and weird stuff at, uh, at the, at the third, during the third act, I guess you would say. Right, oh, yeah, sure. Down to a witch fight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's, and, and there's some stuff also, uh, you, you can see two hands in this because there's also some stuff. There's a, there's a, a point in it when, when he has uh, a woman who he's given a bad grade to uh, shows up out of nowhere and starts sniping people off the campus. And then she goes away, she gets caught and that's gone. And then there's, he starts getting phone calls or he gets one phone call from a, from a, 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 a a gay student who accuses him of making passes that goes nowhere. Um, Mm -hmm. Herbert L. Strzok. uh, And I can't remember the the name of the other, the, the the other uh, director. He was also the, he was also the the writer, the Richard Shore. Richard Shore. Exactly. I guess they got rid of Richard Shore and brought in Herbert L. Strzok. And the Herbert L. Strzok's title uh, is editor and extra sequences which yeah. probably is some sort of a director's guild thing. I don't know, but from what, what I could tell, you know, Strzok, Strzok directed a lot of it and maybe he directed the scary parts. I mean, I don't know. Do you have any insight on that? I have no idea he handled other than you can feel the change in mood. Uh, every time the picture gets grimmer or I think as an editor, he, he may fail the integration of the, Grimmer stuff with the lighter stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a very uh, good as a, as, a, as a as an additional. I wouldn't say co-director, but as a fill-in director, I think he probably uh, lent much of what's interesting about the film. I think you're clearly, right. has, clearly has no sense of humor. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it, it really and and then you've got Lana Turner, the whom, whom you mentioned earlier. And yeah. she's also a witch. She's kind of the head of the witches. And it's not her husband, but it's her son uh, who is in academia. And this is her last, this is her last feature film. Um, you know, she went on and did TV, did some Falcon Crest, did a recurring role on the, the Falcon Crest series. Oh, yeah. Uh, but she is in this film, it's it's sort of you start thinking about it, she's dying in the film. And uh, again, we don't want to give away too much, but it's kind of it lends added poignancy to the fact that this is this is the last last feature film that she the did. last feature film. And I mean, and we're talking about one of the great figures in film noir, 
mm-hmm. uh, one mm-hmm. of the great soap opera players, mm-hmm. if you if you if you have the, that appetite, and uh, you know, I mean, uh, her resume could begin and end with Green Dolphin Street and the Postman Always Rings Twice. Oh yeah, and yeah. that would be a career uh, of substance all by itself. That's exactly but, uh, no, it, it's. Yeah, and and this is that this is not exactly a continuation of the baby Jane syndrome that it had erupted in the early. But you did see a lot, a good many old Hollywood players uh, showing up in these low-budget horror mm-hmm. pictures mm-hmm. that you wouldn't actors you wouldn't ordinarily associate with that kind of picture. I mean, well, like uh, oh, like for example. Example: Buster Crab, you know, making making these late in life uh, cheap jack mm-hmm. uh, monster movies, mm-hmm. and uh, and that would, although Witch's Brew is not one of those ultra low budget things, it's clearly not a big picture, and it's uh, you know this is this is uh, kind of a kind of a sad exit for a talent. Like Lana Turner, but hey, yeah. you know, it, it, it was it was her choice, and she throws a lot into it. And who was it? It was uh, Jennifer Jones doing an exploitation picture called Angel, Angel, Down We Go, which for American Indian. Oh yeah. Which uh, sure. Sam Sam Arkoff told us if you'll remember, like I know knew Sam Arkoff, but actually I had dinner with him once, so uh-huh. uh, I can call him Sam. And uh, <laughs> Sam Arkoff said that that was his wife's favorite picture that they did. And then I'm trying to think the Minx. Was that Jan Sterling? Yes. Jan Sterling was in a skin so. flick called the Minx. And uh, the mm-hmm. circle of all, why I don't know why this is suddenly, I'm suddenly remembering this, but she was in a, uh, and so these were more exploit, these, these, these people ended up in exploitation films. And I remember something Clue Gulliger told me, and I did know Clue pretty well. Clue yeah. As Clue said something one time, of course, he and his wife, Marion Birdnethery, they did a lot of horror films um, uh, in the, the latter part of their careers. And, and Clue said, you know, John, he said one time, he said, uh, if you're going to continue to act as you get older, you're going to have to do horror pictures. Yeah. And I think, and I don't know this, like you say, this is not a horror picture, but it is a kind of an exploitation picture in a lot oh, of ways. Oh, sure, yeah. And I think, Michael, I honestly believe, and I, I've, I've read hints of this. I never had anybody, never in the research I did for this, never had anybody actually come out and say it. But I think this was a film that was shot and then held up for a couple of years. And one of the reasons I say that is because of the title track, which mm-hmm. is done by a woman named Joyce Vincent Wilson, which here's some trivia for you, was a member of Tony Orlando and Don. Oh yeah, she sings the lead on the on the theme, and it's a disco tune. I mean, it's got that synthesizer, it's got that disco beat. Well, by 1980, disco was as dead as Kelsey's nuts, as the old saying goes, and that's not a vulgar. 
look it up. But uh, Disco was gone by 1980. You know, that's the year that uh, that Travolta traded in his his suit for for his boots and and did Urban Cowboy. So I kind well, of yeah. you know 78 maybe uh, was high to the Disco <laughs> era. Maybe I, it just seems to me that the theme song um, sort of uh, it, it makes it seem like it, it came it was actually filmed earlier than than when it came out sure of course and that impression is is uh, enhanced by the uh, fact of there being a proxy director yes which means automatically yeah we got a delay here we better or we better fix this picture or abandon it that's true uh, well that's, that's a good point yeah it's good they didn't abandon it but it's it's not it's not kind of it's not the kind of picture you want to mention in the same breath with a weird woman or a conjure wife. No, you don't. No, you don't. And, you know, but I have to say, I like the last act better than I like the first two. I like the scary stuff better than I mm -hmm. like the uh, alleged. It just, it seems so, again, I guess I keep going back to the term smarmy. It seems very smarmy. Yeah sort of it just not the tone is just is just off and weird uh, uh i will tell people if you do watch it and you can watch it as i'm finding during these covid 19 days thank you joey hambert producer and engineer of uh, the forgotten horrors podcast who let me know just how much free material there is on youtube um this uh -huh. is on youtube and uh, so anybody can see it. And uh, but if you watch it, look for I believe it's the party sequence. And there's a, at a, a academic party, which Michael, I know you went to a bunch of those. I did too. And they, oh, yeah. they capture that. They capture that pretty well. And there's a, a an older character or the character in it uh, that has some lines. He's he's listed in the credits as Lawrence Gray, but he is actually Angus Scrim. Or later on became Angus. Oh, sure. The, yeah, the tall man. The tall man. The tall, yes. And you watch for the tall man, Angus Scrim, in that. And that's that's a little bonus. Watch for that. And watch for the member of Don singing a disco tune. You'll have some. Those are the added added attractions, I guess. Sure. Uh, oh, yeah. I, well, you, you're going you're gonna to end up watching some pictures that you probably think, why am I watching this? And the ultimate explanation is, well, I'm watching it because it's there, and every picture I watch, good or ill, is going to inform my impressions of every other picture I watch. Mm -hmm. And that makes a really fine picture. It's going to be, uh, appear even more rewarding, uh, having watched uh, uh, kind of an inferior throwaway like this uh, witch's brew. Mm-hmm. And you, before we, before we leave it, you mentioned it was a lot like another picture that was shot in Texas. Um, uh, we were talking about that before, before we actually started doing the podcast. Oh yeah. Uh, you want to talk about that for a minute? Text. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. That was, uh, that was a picture of uh, great mystery when it was shot in, uh, in my home base town of Fort Worth. Um, for one thing, it was a major studio not uncommon in texas because right. uh, the the not only the small but also the large hollywood studios enjoyed uh shooting in texas uh, basically as a uh, way to get around the unions mm -hmm. and further as as a way to uh depend on a large talent and technical pool uh and in other words 
cheaper <laughs> cheaper than working in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hexed is Hexed is one of what I used to call a new erotic thriller. Um, <laughs> Neurotic. <laughs> the, yeah, it, it and and there is a current of erotica there, but uh, it's mainly uh, um, more more to the point the the kind of uh, nervous guy who uh, falls under the spell of the uh, self assured and seductive and really dangerous woman. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in this case, Ari Gross and Claudia Christian. And uh, it was a very secretive film, unlike, uh, uh, unlike, say, for example, a, a big picture like Born on the Fourth of July, which welcomed the attention of the news media. Uh, this one, boy, I mean, it was a closed set, and mm-hmm. any attempts to gain access to speak, you know, Ari Gross, I've known him for a long time. I couldn't even get a chance to sit out and interview him because Columbia Pictures was acting very secretive on the on the shoot. I think it was because they were they were the loss leader film. Mm-hmm. It it came out without fanfare. It came out without ballyhoo of any kind. And uh, the one prominent example of its having been in Fort Worth was that uh, they put up a phony billboard advertising a product, a, a fictional product in the movie, uh, just about a block and a half down the street from my newspaper office and a lot of people wondered what it was about because they'd never heard of a product like that and finally the mystery was explained but uh, yeah it's 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 one of those um, uh, one of those satanic type menacing comedy pictures that doesn't really work but uh, you know Ari Gross can do no wrong mm. and Claudia Christian has that wonderful smirking face that makes you think is laughing at you behind your back. <laughs> well, when you talk about a loss leader film, what do you mean by that? A picture that gets made because it was committed and nobody really wants to deal with it. Uh, the uh, Alan Spencer ended up as the director of record, even though I think he had lobbied to have the uh, have the catch-all fictional director name placed on the film. Alan, Alan Smithy? Alan Smithy. Mm-hmm. Um, it had no press previews, opened cold, was gone within a week. And uh, I'm sure there was a video edition, but uh, I've never really looked one up. And I'm mm-hmm. sure it would be hard to find today. Yeah, yeah. Well, before we leave this picture, and again, you can see it on YouTube and, and with all of us doing a lot of uh, sheltering in place, I don't know about you, but there's a lot more reading and a lot more uh, movies I've seen. And hey, Joey, thank you again for that YouTube deal. I've been, yeah. <laughs> I've been watching uh, what was it? What I see murder in the museum the other night uh, oh, yeah. with Henry Walthall. My gosh. Oh, yeah. My, what one, a, one, one of my pictures. One of my favorite early forgotten horrors. Yeah, you guys wrote about it in the first Forgotten Horrors, of course. But I want to leave you with Catherine Lee Scott was still pretty foxy at the time this picture came out. And as I was uh, doing some research for this podcast, but her latest role, which is a film that is is, that its release is imminent. uh, She uh, is in a film called The Eleventh Green playing Mamie Eisenhower. So if you want to if you want to think about the passage of time, there's Catherine Lee Scott as Mamie Eisenhower, folks. 
now we're at the part of the uh of the podcast where we'd like to tell you all about what we have out right now and encourage you to go online and if you're so uh, inclined and take a look at it obviously no pressure we are low pressure guys uh but michael what's what's the latest thing that you've got out there that people might be uh, interested in seeing actually the uh, the the current favorite of my more recent books in print is uh, is a forgotten horror spinoff called The Monstrous Art of George E. Turner, mm-hmm. uh, which is a survey of the uh, of the painting and illustrating and uh, well comic book art career of uh, my late partner and co-founder of the Forgotten Horrors Project. It's a dandy too. It's a great. It's a great book. <laughs> I enjoyed it a lot. I've been been pretty active in the recording studio since we've been bunkered and hunkered. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I've got a new uh, a new album of Western Swing Masters recordings just about to drop as soon as I can get a few little uh, tweaks finished on the uh, artwork and the uh, and the um, sonic master. Well, great. And I should say that if folks are interested in Western Swing, uh, anybody out there, the sound of my voice likes Western Swing. I've got a weekly radio show. You were nice enough to name one of the Swing Masters album after it called Swing on This. You can pick it up anywhere in the known universe. Matter of fact, I had someone email me a while back and and, uh, said, well, we are uh, at the headwaters of the Amazon down in Brazil. And we just turned on your program. So Bob Wills is singing as we're headed down the Amazon, which I thought was (laughs) at least cognitive dissonance, but probably even more than that. But you can pick it up uh, on 7 p.m. Tulsa time every Saturday night on publicradiotulsa.org on your computer, publicradiotulsa.org. It's an hour of Western swing and cowboy jazz. Now, uh, some people within the sound of my voice may have been to the famous Kane's ballroom in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Oh yeah. Uh, just with my writing partner, Brett Bingham just finished a book called 20th century honky tonk, which is a book about the first 75 years of the cane starting in 1924 when it was built and ending in 1999, uh, had the sex pistols, everybody from Bob Wills, to the sex pistols and a lot of stops in between, including uh, mud wrestling and, and pig racing. Uh, as well as some of the uh, some of the very early uh, appearances of uh, Van Halen, U2, the police. Uh, and I'm proud to say that for the past five weeks, just dropped off, past five weeks, it was a, an Amazon uh, number one new release in um, music history and criticism. So we've sold quite a few of them. And if it's, as an old friend of mine used to say, if you like that sort of thing, uh, that's the sort of thing you'd like. And uh, so uh, give it a look. It's called 20th Century Honky Tonk. And also uh, the third uh, novel in mine and Robert Brown's horror series uh, is about to come out. Uh, the Cleansing is the name of the series. Oh, yeah. So you might watch for that as well. And, uh, and watch for Michael's uh, new record. And Michael, I'm going to be watching for it because we're going to go back and start doing Knock on Wood. And I'm knocking on it here in Foyle, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, knock on wood. I'm going to be doing some, uh, start my uh, radio show back up again here in another week. And, uh, we'll be doing some Michael H. Price's Western Swing Masters for sure. Won't be long. 
All right, you guys, thank you very much. Next time, we think we're going to be doing the couch, talking about the couch. Uh, we're going to be making sure Stephen, we're going, Stephen Hafner is going to be, and Hafner Press is going to be um, our sponsor for that, for that podcast. He has a new book of Robert Block stories that he's bringing out. And since the couch is a Robert Block uh, story, we're going to do that as well. Now, if, if, uh, if it's been held up at all because the pandemic's held up a lot of things, we'll do something else uh, next time. And I, of course, I've got some ideas, uh, but, and I'm sure, <laughs> sure you enjoy it too, Michael. So, but we'll, uh, we'll reconvene in another month. And meanwhile, we really do want to thank you for, for listening to us. We really enjoy doing this. We really enjoy hearing from you. We've got Joey, can you give the, um, places where people can write? Uh, the best place is the forgotten horrors podcast group on, uh, on Facebook. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Just any sort of feedback you want to give us or, uh, suggestions is really welcome. Thank you all very much for listening. Thank you, Michael, and thank you, Joey, and we'll be yeah. back and at you guys soon. Won't be long. All right. Till then. Uh, I, you know, Michael, I have gone completely uh -huh. nuts over murder in the blue room. Oh yeah. I have just, those girls that, uh, the, the jazzy bells that took the place of the Ritz brothers in that picture, uh, you know, who were supposed to be the stars of it and pulled out or, or got fired. I don't know what it was, but, uh, but you know, uh -huh. uh, Betty Keene and, uh, and Grace McDonald and uh, June Pressier or Pressier. Do you know how to pronounce her name? I uh, probably, if you're in Hollywood, it's going to be Pressier. Prechet, the three of them yeah. playing the jazzy bells on that. And I've gotten so crazy. And of course I haven't gone anywhere. Uh, I've been ordering, I've been, I have autographs now of all three of the jazzy bells that I've bought from eBay. Oh my God. Oh, it's horrible. And I've got a, a, a beautiful four, four by five signed by Grace McDonald. I showed it to Joey the other day when he came by. And then I've got, uh, then I've got uh, eight by tens of the other two with these, things out of autograph books, obviously that they'd signed back in the forties. And I'm just, you're, you're, you've reverted to your boyhood uh, oh, interests. Oh, well, I, just, I might as well just be re reading famous monsters again. <laughs> Joey, are we both, are we both sounding okay? Can we get started? You think? Um, yes. <laughs>